This is Christian. And this is Jenny. And you're listening to Shaped. Christian, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really well, too. We are in full swing in this semester. We're kind of between Halloween and Thanksgiving. And so I wanted to ask you, Christian, what has been bringing you joy lately? Yeah, so many things. This has been a really fun fun fall for Meg and I. We've gotten to do a lot of fun things. We um, have gotten to go camping a couple of times, which has been great. Um, also, we've been uh, re-watching The Mandalorian with you and Johnny, yes. um, which we're really excited about kind of jumping into season two and and also planning a road trip with you guys maybe next summer we'll see destination tbd tbd yes what about you yeah i also have loved rewatching mando i feel like if baby yoda doesn't bring you joy then man no hope do you have a soul (laughs) that's my only question but i also feel like um Honestly, just hanging out with OFAM has been so fun this year. We got to have a family night the other day and just did a bunch of crazy stuff um, that just, yeah, brought me a lot of joy to see people dress each other up as mummies with toilet paper. I feel like it was just a fun time. It's a beautiful thing. So, yeah, it's been bringing me a lot of joy. Gosh, so we are back this week talking again with Robbie Poff last week. We were able to talk with him, firstly, about Star Wars, first and foremost, um, but also about this election that is coming up, if you heard about it. Um, We got to talk with him about the way the political process in the United States shapes us. We got to talk about how it accomplishes the shaping, um, things that point us towards Jesus, things that point us away from Jesus, um, and we got to just talk about the opportunity he sees of being these pockets of alternative Christian communities, loving their neighbors well in this season uh, amidst the election. Yeah, for sure. And so today we're kind of turning our attention to um, the, the way that Jesus wants to shape us for being citizens of his kingdom, first and foremost, above being citizens of the United States, being citizens of his kingdom. What does that look like um, in the midst of the political season that we find ourselves in. So almost kind of a, a counter formation to the way that um, the political process in our country kind of shapes us. Absolutely. Yeah. So definitely be listening for that and also just be listening for a way that you can have lunch on Robbie. So yeah, there's a way in this, yeah, in our time with him that he shares a way that he will buy you lunch. Um, so yeah, that's super exciting. And here's our conversation with Robbie Poff. So we are back talking with Robbie about the ways that we are shaped by the election and that we are shaped for kind of kingdom citizenship, shaped for the way of Christ and following Jesus. And so, Robbie, we wanted to start by asking, what is the way of Jesus in this realm, the way of Jesus kind of politically? Politically, my goodness. Uh, well, Jesus uh, was a hard one to pick to pin down. If you read through the Gospels and see his interactions, uh He's usually talking to two different t- camps in the Bible. There's the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and they were kind of two different political sides, uh, and they kind of co-ruled in the Sanhedrin together. And so I, each one of them keeps trying to tr- trap Jesus and get it pinned down to one side or the other, and he, and he doesn't choose the middle ground. He chooses his ground. And so I think that's 
that's one way to understand and and follow as we're not you know as we talked about last time we're not kind of pinned in these in these two different sides uh there is the way of jesus which is different um but i would say to to um the way of jesus to uh quote henry nowen uh is downward mobility um we kind of think of our way in this culture as upward mobility we want to keep uh, making more gaining more wealth gaining more status having more stuff uh, whatever that does for us and uh that's not the way of jesus and the way of jesus is uh becoming uh, a servant uh, to people around us to give up some of these things that we think we are owed are entitled to in order to follow him and uh that is a very hard way for some people to it's hard for us as Christ, as american christians to understand that and and uh, not only just get it or perceive it but to pray for that and to live into that i think we we all we still want comfortable things and we want good things to happen to us um so that is that's one of the hard ways of following jesus is this kind of downward mobility to be with the least of these um I think another way that we need to follow him is that Jesus probably has a, not probably, he has a particular worldview and that he's in charge of it. <laughs> um, but he has an understanding of the world uh, that is just different than any political flavor we can kind of find in any country, any region. And so we have to understand that there is an alternative understanding, uh, an alternative worldview that as Christians, we must begin to kind of receive um, and think through and lens to look through. Um, and that worldview is obviously based on, on the theology that we hold, uh, based on God, on Jesus as the way, the way, the truth and the life. Um, the scripture that re- revealed Jesus, um, to be the ultimate expression of God uh, in this world. And so if we are looking at those things that way, that helps us kind of be in the way of Jesus. Um, he obviously does the will of the father, he looks uh, back through tradition and scripture, and he fulfills the law and the prophets. And so can we look to him to see how we view the things around us uh, in this day? Yeah, for sure. Robbie, I wonder what you would think <laughs> about um, a piece of the way of Jesus being discernment and being wisdom in that too. Just because I think about like he pushed back on the way of the spiritual elite, like he pushed back on the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But also I think about like the woman at the well right. and like he pushed back on her lifestyle, but he approached those groups of people incredibly differently. differently. Right. And so I just think like, even with the rich young ruler um, that came to Jesus and was like, what do I need to do? And then Jesus was like, sell all your things and follow me. And he left like the rich young ruler left. Right. And we don't have an account that says like Jesus chased him down and apologized or Jesus like chased him down and changed something like that. But even just the discernment to say, okay, like, like I will release you and trust (laughs) that. Yeah. And and we don't know. Yeah. You didn't chase him down, but we don't know what that impact had on just that phrase. Yeah. I think to, to when people are in power um, or have authority and, the towns and places Jesus went uh, and they seem to be maybe mis- misusing that authority or abusing it. Jesus challenges them quite strongly. And, and um, he speaks as, as, as the ultimate prophet, he speaks truth to that power. And that, that truth is harsh and it makes them upset. <laughs> it makes them want to kill him. 
but to folks who are uh, a little bit in a, blinded in a different way in their lifestyles and the way they live, he speaks much more gently to them. I mean, he still speaks. It's kind of that verse, consider the kindness and sternness of God. Mm. You see that in the woman at the well. He is kind to her. He is inviting to her. He is, uh, some theologians would say he's wooing her, to be honest. Um, but yeah, he still challenges the way that she has been living. Like, hey, you've, you've actually been living this way. Or where's your husband? He already knows the answer to that question. She has a, She's had a bunch. And so, yeah, he still invites her um, to come follow him and, and uh, you know, offers her drink from a well that will never run dry. So I think that that's, you know, uh, a challenge to us as Christians in this day and age is like, can we, um, can we speak truth to power in a way that might make people, it might make people upset. I don't know if we need to go intentionally making people upset, but the things that we might say might make them upset. And can, who, who do we need to be uh, gentle with and understanding with? Um, so I think that type of wisdom is something to seek out and also recognize that we're not Jesus. And so that's why we have the a community of people that we're doing this with and the Holy spirit, um, to guide us in these questions. Um, usually if it's, uh, you know, James is a good example of that. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Mm. So that's always challenging me when I'm angry and want to rant about something like, is this helping anything? Am I changing anything or changing anybody's perspective or am I just angry ranting? Um, what type of speaking truth to power does God want us to do in any particular time? Another time it was uh, Jesus flipping tables uh, in the temple, and that had more to do with the way that people were being economically uh, mistreated and, and taken advantage of. Uh, that was an economic power that he was speaking to in that moment. So, yeah, those are just a few ways. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, totally. <laughs> of just like the Lord's kindness can lead us to repentance. Yeah. Yeah, I think that verse that you just mentioned from James, like, oh, hit me right in the gut. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> that human anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. I mean, my goodness, how much do we need to hold on to that right now? Um, because there is anger flying all over the place. Um, well, anger is a drug, too. Yeah. It, does, it produces chemicals in our brain that can be addictive. So people get used to being angry, and uh, that's something that's hard. That's why we have anger management. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think, you know, that's, that's when people get angry, that's, it feels like that's the way we're supposed to discourse. And I like feeling this angry or, and I'm like, do you like that? I don't know. I don't like feeling <laughs> angry. So, well, yeah, some things to think about. I mean, I think like what we see it is that, you know, that feeling of anger, that righteous quote unquote, righteous <laughs> anger, um, you know, we, in order to maintain it, we have to stoke that flame. And that pours our energy into that right. sort of um, antagonism rather than into um, the things that the Lord has called us to do, to, um, you know, care for the poor, to uh, lift up the oppressed and the marginalized, to, um, you know, work for healing and, and all of these different things. Um, and so, you know, we can see immediately how, like, that anger is is fueling a, a, some sort of endorphin release or I don't, I mean, I, I, I say that as someone who has no clue whether endorphin is the right word to use in that <laughs> case, but you understand some sort of chemical yeah. bodily response that feels good in some way. Um, but man, we just, we keep having to stoke it and stoke it and stoke it. And there's nothing left for the actual work that the spirit wants to do. So that is, right. um, 
man, that is a, a good word in this moment. And so I think, you know, that thought of downward mobility, that thought of um, speaking truth to power, of coming alongside, um, you know, it makes me think of, um, again, to quote our friend David Fitch, um, he, uh, he mentions that, you know, Jesus says, that um, he has come to bring the sword. Now, when we hear that, we think, oh, violent Jesus. But what he makes clear is the sword is the word of God, that that this truth of who Jesus is, of um, his way, truth, and life, that that um, is a thing that reveals enemies, David Fitch says. Um, that it, it's not to say that we're making enemies, but that um, as people are presented with the true way of Jesus, with the way that the world was meant to exist, um, it is going to cause some times where it's like, we do have to speak truth to power. We do have to confront um, things that are not right. And we don't just simply say, everything's fine. It doesn't matter how people are living. We're just over here peacefully in our little Christian corner. Um, that is also not the way of Jesus. And so I think that that is, um, it's interesting to see, you know, you're talking about Robbie, the way that Jesus engages but does not do it in the ways that the religious leaders want him to, um, the people in power want him to. He doesn't just accept the way that the world works in the day. Um, he finds this this middle way, this third way, I guess, really more than yeah. the middle way. Um, well, we have to be willing to let go of those ideologies ourselves and recognize that we are kind of born with these certain worldviews or raised in a culture with them. And you have to look to people like the disciples had to drop their nets. That's not just their jobs. That's their vocation. That's the way of looking at things. And it took them a long time. It took Peter a long time to get over the fact that Gentiles were going to become Christians. And he still has struggles with it. And Paul was blinded. <laughs> and it took him years to kind of recover from that. I think about my own journey since I was a college freshman 19 years ago and how differently I think and how I think closer, not completely, but closer to the way of Jesus and how sometimes gut-wrenching that journey is. Can we be willing to go through letting go of some things that we thought this is the way? And it's like, actually, I think Jesus is showing me a different way. And I need to repent or, or change the way that I think and and let that process happen. So those are some things to think through as well. It's like, how do we, not just speaking truth to the power out there, but speak truth to the, our own hearts. Right. So. Yeah, well, I feel like even a piece of that comes back to not only like showing ourselves grace in that process, right. but also continuing to engage with folks. I mean, like you've done college ministry for, I don't even know how long at this know. point, and you're continuing <laughs> to engage with people that may be at a totally different place than you are. And to say, I can identify with that and I'm yeah. going to love you in the midst of it, right. even if I think differently about it. Yeah. And I feel like that, I mean, that is such a big piece I feel like of the way of Jesus, of just being amidst people that maybe like don't even understand him. <laughs> I feel like that is so much yeah. of the gospels of he'll like share something. And then later the disciples are like, what, are what did he mean? <laughs> and just, just for him to be patient with those around him as, <laughs> as they're working out what, like what it means to follow him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was, this is what you're kind of talking about there, Jenny, of, of, the need for us to walk together as um, the family of God, as the body of Christ. Um, it makes me um, think about, I'm going to do one more David Fitch quote. I promise this will be the last one you for this episode. At Fitchest. F-I-T-C-H-E-S-T. We're going to boost his followers. That's what he needs. That's what he needs. He says this. 
I just kind of want to hear what you think. How would you respond to this, Robbie? He says, the church is political, but it's not political in the sense of Democrat or Republican. It may end up supporting a candidate from the Democratic, Republican, or other party, but the, the church is political before any of that could ever happen. It is the people of God living under the rule of a president, but this president is Jesus Christ the Lord. To the extent that a church regularly discerns how to live socially, economically, and morally together under his authority, by definition, it is a politics. This is why I say that the local church is my politics. How would you, what, what, do, you, what do you think about that? Sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he kind of, he kind of references Eugene Peterson. Eugene said that Jesus is political, but not in the way that we think or expect. And um, I think that, you know, what is, what is politic? What is that word? It's like the way of the city, essentially polis. Um, and so I think that, yeah, everything you kind of do, um, you know, economically, neighborly, anything there's, there's, politic in there um so as and as a church we've been around for a long time we've been around longer than the united states we've been long longer than president and first and foremost we have to recognize he's you know he used the word president um the bible uses the word king <laughs> jesus is king if jesus is my king that means and paul uses the phrase ambassadors that means wherever i go jesus is my king uh, that means if I'm living here and I'm born and raised in Southwest Virginia, Jesus is my king. And so I, my ultimate allegiance is to him. Uh, my ultimate allegiance is to Jesus first and foremost. That's a challenge in and of itself to think that way. And that is a challenge to the political uh, machinations, the things that are in power any way, shape or form. So um, just even confessing Jesus as Lord. Now they could have used Jesus as God because it means the same thing, but they chose the word Lord. Because Lord meant in Greco-Roman world the chief God, the the God of God, the Lord of Lords, and so when they're saying Jesus as Lord, that means over over Jupiter, <laughs> over Zeus, over whatever, over Artemis, Jesus is in charge, uh, and so over Caesar, uh, not over Caesar <laughs> yeah. for sure. Caesar is not. Uh, we can get into that in a minute, but um, these things are going to define my life. Um, I still have I required to be a good neighbor and required to seek the, the flourishing of this town and city and my neighbors, um, that I'm find myself in, but Jesus is King. So if Jesus is my King, if Jesus is the, the King of a group of people, a pocket of people, even then that's going to change the way that we interact with the world around us. And so, yes, even before any of all that stuff starts, before voting starts in the election process, doesn't matter where we find ourselves. If Jesus is King, automatically that means I'm I'm following Him first and foremost. Mm, so yes, then we can preach on that for a long time. Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like even saying like Jesus is Lord, while at the same time saying like Jesus is God, we affirm all that. But saying like He is Lord says something different in terms of what it means for me. Like I'm not just assenting to this like group of ideas, but right. I'm saying like he has authority in my life in a way that yes. I'm going to trust him yeah. and move forward in that. Not just saying like, yeah, I could affirm that he probably was God, yeah. but yeah. like moving beyond that. Or he saved me. Okay. Right. <laughs> What's what he up that? to now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just chilling. No, he's reigning. He is reigning right now. He is on the right hand of the throne of God in Colossians three. We mm -hmm. can go there, but yeah, I'll, I'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's good. Um, you know, you mentioned Jesus is Lord. You'll hear people say this sometimes, Jesus is Lord, and, and that means Caesar is not. Right. Unpack that for us. What does that mean, <laughs> you know, both 
in the, in its context, but also um, what does that mean for us now? So, well, let's just use one of the uh, questions that the teachers of the law try to trap Jesus with. Um, I can't remember the passage off the top of my head. I'm just going to admit that to you right now. <laughs> that basically they give, uh, um, or they say, should we pay taxes or not? And this is one of the ways that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are trying to trick and trap Jesus to be on their side or the other side. And uh, Are you pro-Rome? Are you against Rome? Uh, who are you for? And Jesus says, give, you know, hand me a coin. Okay, clue one, Jesus doesn't have any money. But he says, hand me a coin. So someone hands him a coin. And uh, basically, you know, um, whose inscription is on this coin? It's Caesar. Well, the coins themselves say like Caesar Augustus, son of God on them. Uh, basically equating Caesar with God himself. And, uh, you know, and then it says, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and God what is God's. And in that moment, he basically says like, you know, if Caesar's image is on this coin, but my image is on you, is on people. Caesar does not have any, you're not made in Caesar's image. And he, he basically says Caesar is not God in that moment, which is kind of crazy. Um, yeah, pay your taxes is what he's saying. But more importantly than that, He's saying that uh, these ruling authorities, yes, they are authorities. Um, God has kind of in place some of these structures, uh, but they kind of take on their own machinations and they do their own thing and they rule their own way and they will be judged for the way that they follow God or not. But um, Jesus is Lord of everybody, of people, of human beings. And so, uh, and Caesar is not God. There's no divinity in him. Um, so that's pretty <laughs> groundbreakingly at that time political message to say like uh you know caesar's not in charge the emperor is not god um and then let's let's skip ahead a little bit because when um they are uh about to crucify jesus and he's on trial and pontius pilate is like do you want me to crucify your king like he says this is your king and you know pontius pilate's kind of weirded out by the things jesus says um and he recognizes that jesus authority does not come from any worldly power um, he says, do you want me to kill your king? And they say, what? They say, we have no king but Caesar. And so they have chosen their allegiance in that moment because they want to see Jesus killed because they want to have their own little authority that they've been given by the Roman Empire there. So we see Jesus engaging politically <laughs> in a couple of those ways. Unpack the, the Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. Um, so that's that's Roman times. But right now that means that the United States is not. Uh, Sweden is not. <laughs> Um, whoever, you know, um, China is not, um, you know, all these leaders and rulers that, uh, I have authority and power. They are not God. Uh, they are not Lord. Uh, they are not King over everybody. And so, uh, Putin <laughs> is, is not. And so when we say Jesus is King and our allegiance with it was, is with Jesus, that means that all these other political entities and nation states that we have around us today cannot be the foremost authority on the planet. Um, so I've unpacked that. What else do you <laughs> want to know about that? <laughs> I can keep going with it. Um, let's, let me close out and say Jesus. So Jesus offers this other way, this third way of following him. And that's what he is doing is he is, when we pray, it's the kingdom come, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. He teaches us to pray that God's kingdom come to this earth, not another kingdom. Um, we can pray for our, our nations and our authorities and, and, and Peter and Paul both tell us to do that, but Jesus is the real, is the real deal. Um, so, um, 
we need to recognize that our we cannot put our allegiance and trust in these other authorities to um, be the ultimate savior of everything. <laughs> Uh, and and that whether that whether that's democracy or communism or capitalism or socialism or uh, whatever it is, those things are not the sal sal salvific work of salvific. Jesus on the cross. Um, so yeah, that's if that's and that's confusing. I can get some emails. My emails Robbie Poff at NLCF. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. So then you know, for us as we are. Um, hoping to to walk in that way and you know what we talk about here on this podcast is the way that the spirit shapes us so that our lives look like jesus's lives so that we're living um as citizens of this kingdom um but he's he's um causing us to become those kinds of people what do we do <laughs> what what are some things that we can do to um kind of be shaped in this way to present ourselves to the spirit um so that we are walking in the way of Jesus in the, the political atmosphere that we find ourselves in. <laughs> Walk in humility. Um, I think humility is, and, uh, is so lost in our political process. Um, I sometimes think about Jimmy Carter just before he's present before all of us were born. He's like a peanut farmer, Sunday school teacher from Georgia and there's a humility about him. And then they got voted out, <laughs> you know, it was not the way that uh, we thought things should be done in America. So I think humility is huge, uh, recognizing that uh, if we are, if Jesus is Lord, that means also we are not Lord. Mm -hmm. I am not Lord. Yeah. And uh, like we were talking about earlier, like he has authority over my life. Um, practicals to get there. I think that a couple of things, obviously the shaped podcast, we talk about the disciple, you guys talk about the disciplines. And I think that they're heavily important because the disciplines are there to guide us towards Jesus and the way of Jesus. Um, they are, uh, in, they induce humility in us um, because we might have to wake up early and spend time with him and uh, give up all these other things that we want to do. Like I could watch TV for another hour or uh, sleep in, but actually Jesus is calling me to be with him during this time. So it's, it, they sometimes are going to be uncomfortable but in that, uh, in those things, uh, prayer being uh, one is that when we're praying, we're not praying for our own will. We're praying for Jesus's will. We're praying for God's will to be in our own lives and that our will would align with him. Um, so uh, uh, reading of the scriptures, it allows us to see the ways that Jesus, uh, what Jesus taught and how he lived and how the people of, of the Bible uh, um, and experienced God and lived out uh, their way with God or didn't or failed to. Um, sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people sinning in the Bible. It's not a condoning of that. It's man, these guys messed up. How can I actually live in a way that God wants me to live? So I don't end up like so-and-so, um, you know, being with a group of people, uh, a community discerning these things uh, reminds us again, that we're not in charge. We want to be doing this with other people and we can pick them up and they can pick us up. And it's not just, uh, uh people who are our equals quote unquote from society, but um, people who are the least of these, how can we bend ourselves down if we are politically, or if we are, our social status seems to be higher? How can we bend ourselves down um, and ingratiate ourselves in, in uh, places and ways of people that are that need to be lifted up, that need a little bit um, to, to be cared for and seen and heard? Um, those things uh, then empty ourselves of our own prideful manner, of our mm -hmm. own ego and allow us to to follow jesus in in that way 
Um, those are just a few. Silence and solitude, I think, are huge because again, it empties us of who we are, of empties us of our own. Um, yeah, ego, I guess, is the best word for that, or pride, um, and says nope. The being with Jesus is more important than than anything else. So, getting rid of social media, <laughs> uh, pulling the plug, especially during the election cycle. Silence and solitude, I think, are things that we can seek. So those are just a few, but that's what you guys talk about all the time here on this podcast. So we do to listen to this podcast. podcast. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, Robbie, I think what you're saying is really true. Of I feel like um, there's a lot of simplicity in what you're sharing, and I think even that kind of speaks to the way of Jesus. Of I feel like when when his culture was anticipating a political king to come right. and God in, instead sends a baby. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's a lot of, a lot of the way of the kingdom that we would say is upside down right. or backwards. And this seems like super, yeah, it seems very straightforward. It seems very sim- simple in the way of not a ton of complexity and yet produces a really like deep walk with him. And so, yeah, I just, I totally agree with you. <laughs> I feel like that's a good word. Well, I think in that, if we're talking about upside down, uh, you know, Dallas Willard uses that idea in his giant book on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, what, what is that called? Divine just, Conspiracy. Oh, my goodness. Divine Conspiracy. Just emptied out of my brain for a second. But, I, you know, I mean, one practice that we could do, uh, if you want to, during this time, I invite people to do it, is to just Matthew 5 and 6, the Sermon on the Mount, is just to read it over and over again. Just to, I mean, that's kind of, you know, a few years ago we talked about it uh, at NLCF. And, um, that's just kind of like the constitution (laughs) following Jesus. Mm. Um, you know, he goes up on the Mount and delivers the law essentially in the sermon on the Mount. And I think that that is a pretty powerful way. It's so backwards to the way we think about doing things. Uh, so, so challenging too, but just absorbing the sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, those are the people that will be blessed by God. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is, I think, would be super helpful for us. Maybe even a challenge to our shaped listeners: try to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. Um, these Ooh. are things that are really well known. Matthew five to seven. You may feel like that's three chapters. That is wild. Um, you can do it. You you already have a lot of this stuff in your mind. Probably some of you. Um, go for it. If someone does that and memorizes it and can come up to me and repeat it. I will do something. I don't know. <laughs> I will take you out to lunch. Whoa. Oh, there we go. Uh, okay. So that's a challenge. Amazing. Um, so if you can do that, um, that's inspired by my my late friend, John Draghi. But if you if you can do that and you can show it to me, I'll take you out to lunch. Yes. Um, so. Yes, I love let's, it. Let's do it. <laughs> that's so fun. Gosh. Well, this is a bit, just as we're kind of wrapping up, this is a bit of a term, but we thought it'd be fun to hear, Robbie, within quarantine, kind of within the shelter at home, stay at home order in Virginia, what was your go-to <laughs> activity? Uh, well, I mean, the first few weeks I was pretty, you know, like many people, I was pretty fearful, but I think uh, more, one of the things my family and I did, we just went on walks around our neighborhood once we were like, okay, this is safe to do. We can do that. And that was just just brought me so much joy to be with him and walk around with him, especially as the weather was getting warmer. Even now as it's getting cooler, just spending time with him. I got Crystal a bike for Mother's Day. We went on these bike rides. That's so fun. Um, as a family together and just being outside together as a family when 
I think there was a lot of times where we were just kind of scrambling, figuring how are we going to do church? I don't know. And then my kid's out of school and I got to help her with school and it's online kind of. It's so bizarre. But these times, these moments kind of help bring about some peace in our life. And another thing I've been doing, uh, I've been trying to run every street yes. in Blacksburg. I'm over halfway. Um, it's kind of slowed down since school started. So I've been uh, planning to get back in there. I did one last week. So I'm trying to see my see my town in different neighborhoods that I've never been in before. And then the last one is has a sourdough, making sourdough <laughs> bread. Incredible. So I make two loaves of sourdough each week and then I give one away. Um, so that's been a blessing. And when I'm making it, it's just cool to be able to pray over. Like, I don't know who, you know, when I'm making it, I don't really have an idea of who I'm going to bless uh, with it. Or hopefully they're blessed by it. And, <laughs> and hopefully it's good. Uh, but I, so I'm, I just like, you know, we make them and I'm praying like, man, whoever eats this, I pray that they're blessed by these, by this gluten, <laughs> yes. uh, by, by my, you know, by my hands or sometimes rosinized hands, um, in, in making bread. So that's been kind of a cool little practice. Um, so in the middle of the week, it's just kneading the dough uh, every few hours and letting it sit in the refrigerator. It's slow. It's a long process. It does. It takes two days essentially. Um, but it's so cool to bless my family and um, bless other folks with it. So I think it's lowered our bread costs as a family. Yeah. But others, hopefully, like we have new neighbors across the street, first new neighbors in 12 years of living in this house. And uh, we got, you know, we give them love as well. So hopefully then we'll be able to gain some more relationship out of them. So, yeah, sourdough, running, walking, riding bikes. <laughs> That's so fun. So not just one, sorry. Has there been anything that surprised you on your running every street? Um, or like a favorite moment or something you found you hadn't seen it was kind of uh that's a good question so uh, what i've i've loved to see quiet little neighborhoods that i didn't know existed um but life was still happening um i tried to pick times uh when it wasn't too hot when people were i might have been out in their yard and so there's a lot of people gardening i think this season and so just watching people tend their gardens uh was pretty cool and just seeing all the different places and neighborhoods where people live and uh, not knowing anything about these neighborhoods, seeing a few NLCS stickers in unexpected places was cool on people's cars. Um, uh, but yeah, just being able to pray over the town uh, was also really cool and pray over different different spaces that I never would have stumbled upon before. Um, so yeah, I'm getting closer to our home neighborhood, which I run all the time. But um yeah, these these other places I haven't been was really neat to to say, oh, I didn't know this was here, or I didn't know these houses looked like this over here, or the neighborhood I started in was where uh, my grandfather built parts of it. So that was kind of neat. And there's another apartment complex, I'm rambling now, but where it's getting torn down by University City Boulevard. Mm -hmm. um, my grandfather built that. So it's kind of strange to see, you know, just some history of, of life being lived here in Blacksbury. So... That is really cool. Anyway, that is really cool. Long time to answer that. But. Beautiful thing, well, Robbie. We are so <laughs> grateful um, to have had you join us and and help us as we're just kind of trying to process how do we look, live like Jesus in the midst of the the season that we find ourselves in politically. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to be here and share, and hopefully I've helped. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Email me if I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Email him if you have if he has. <laughs> Well, 
we are so grateful to have had Robbie with us for two episodes, and um, and I hope it was a blessing to you as well. Jenny, what has kind of continued to stick with you since our conversation with Robbie? Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing Robbie talked about was oftentimes when Jesus was asked a question, and maybe it was a question intended to trick him, that Jesus kind of offers another way um, where he isn't confined in his answering of those questions by the context that is kind of laid upon him. Um, But yeah, Jesus doesn't feel a need to respond on their grounds, but is willing to kind of answer on his own. So yeah, I think that stood out to me. How about you, Christian? Yeah, I mean, I would say you could hear this in the interview, but when Robbie read James 1.20, it just hit me right in the gut. I mean, I think that that is so relevant for the moment that we find ourselves in. Obviously, you know, there's so much anger. The the verse, just to recap, says um, the human anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And obviously there's so much anger in our political process right now. And I do think that at least some of that anger, on really on both sides, comes from a place of wanting to see God's righteousness, wanting to see God's justice, his way in our world. Um, but I think that when Robbie read that verse, it really just unlocked something for me that like I've been turning over my mind over and over again, like what is the way forward? And um, and so if it's not pouring ourselves in, into this political process, what do we do? And I think you know we talked a little bit about how the spirit is at work right in our midst, um, that he mm-hmm. is... Um, calling us to participate with that work, um, to care for the poor, to um, set the captive free and all of these different things that he's doing that in our town, on our campus right now. And so, you know, our task is to not pour all of our energy and our um, our resources into politics, but just to follow the spirit right where we are. So that was that was a really cool moment for me. Yeah, absolutely. One of the kind of reflection questions we have for this week ties in perfectly to that. So the question we have is kind of, as I look at my town or campus, where do I see brokenness, pain, or lack? And then asking, how might God want to use me in these places? And so just recognizing things are not as they should be. Um, And yet the spirit is at work right here. And so how can we join in with him? Um, Yeah, by kind of identifying places of brokenness, pain, or lack um, this week as we kind of reflect on this conversation And then the second question we have for this week is, in what areas do I need to expand my views on God's kingdom or Jesus's authority and lordship in my life? Um, Where I feel like personally, I can can tend towards frustration when I feel like this is all on me um, because my view of the kingdom is just too small. And so just coming before the Lord and saying, where do I need to expand my view um, on how you're working or with Jesus, where do where do I need to relinquish um, authority to you in my life? Where do I need to surrender to your lordship more fully? Yeah, for sure. And so we also wanted to just kind of offer up um, a, th- a few practices that we kind of give ourselves to to truly really just present ourselves to the Spirit for Him to be shaping us um, to be citizens of His kingdom first and foremost. And so the first is that this is a really great time for us to do exactly what Jesus said: pray for our enemies. Um, pray for those who our political process has kind of placed us on the other side of an issue on. Um, there there are going to be folks who are responding all kinds of different ways to the outcome of the election. But regardless of where we find ourselves, let's pray for those folks. Let's pray that the Lord would bless them. Let's pray that the Lord would, would um, continue to reveal himself to them, um, that he would use them in the world to bring his justice. Um, let's give ourselves to that practice this week. 
Secondly, let's spend some time listening to others. Let's listen and, and, you know, you heard Robbie in this episode talk about the experience of Cuban Americans and the way that that kind of story has shaped the way that they tend to vote. And, um, and so that is the kind of stuff that we need to interact with. We get to hear other perspectives and it, um, not only causes us to understand one another better, but gives us more of an opportunity to, to come alongside, to serve and to love those who may be very different from us. Um, and then a few things Robbie mentioned during the episode, practice some silence and solitude. And these are great things that kind of, um, as we are just with the Lord, just us, we are kind of forced to almost reckon with our own brokenness, our own need for the Lord. And that causes us to be more compassionate to toward those around us. So maybe this week, even just spend a couple minutes or five minutes just silent with the Lord on a daily basis. Um, you can imagine that uh, you are before the throne of God. You can imagine that um, the, maybe the Father is wrapping you up. Those are a couple things that I try to do when I'm practicing silence and um Pick one, whichever one sort of resonates with you more, and just be silent with God. Um, and whatever comes to your mind in that time, just take it as a prompt from the Spirit to submit it to Him. And then the other thing Robbie mentioned was uh, memorizing the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. And this is a really great practice for us, really in any time, but I think especially now as we think about the way that the kingdom is and our citizenship in it, how we are to be in this kingdom this is where it gets laid out in, in a really clear way. And so you can do it. It's just three chapters. I know it seems intimidating. I, you can do it. Um, and if you do, you can get lunch on Robbie. So that's all the motivation you need. If, it, if, if pursuing holiness and knowing Jesus more uh-huh. isn't enough, lunch, right? <laughs> Incredible. Yes. And as if the opportunity to have, to have Robbie buy you lunch wasn't enough, Again, this week, if you share this podcast on your Instagram story and tag NLCFnet, you'll be entered to win a special gift from us. So we'll announce the winners at the end of the week on Friday. And so kind of as we go here, let me just read Hebrews 12 verse 14 over us. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So as we go, let's release the banners the world would put on us and instead lean into the way of downward mobility. And may the Lord himself be our banner. See you next week. See ya.